Welcome to the Agora Network Ministries podcast, Hope for the Agora, a conversation about mental health and the church. Listen in as our host, Evan Roars Dodge, shares practical, educational, and insightful information about the mental health conversation and the stigma inside the walls of the church. Our hope is that through informative interviews with leading mental health professionals and people in the field, and through the stories of healing and transformation, you will find that hope and healing can be found in body, soul, and spirit. To learn more, go to agoranetworkministries.com and follow us on social media. Thank you for joining us. Well, welcome to another episode of Hope for the Agora. I'm so glad that you are listening to this podcast. My name is Evan Dodge. I am your host, and I am thrilled today to have a wonderful conversation partner, Dr. Todd Hall. Todd, welcome to this episode of Hope for the Agora. Thank you, Evan. It's great to be with you today. Uh, Todd, you are a professor at Biola University in California. Um, so I'm I'm going to ask you just to introduce yourself, share a bit about what you do, your area of expertise, what you teach there at Biola, and perhaps share with our audience um, a brief bit about your family. Yeah, sure. Right. So I teach at uh, Rosemead School of Psychology, which is the School of Psychology at Biola University in the Los Angeles area. It's in uh, Los Angeles County, so I live close to there. And uh, so I teach in the, our doctoral program. We have a PhD and a PsyD program in clinical psychology. And so I am in my 25th year there teaching and really in, enjoying it. It's a great program, great department, have wonderful colleagues. Uh, and so we, uh, you know, so it's a doctoral program in clinical psychology that's accredited by the APA. Um, and we also really focus on the integration of Christian theology and psychology you know, throughout the program. And we have some classes that kind of focus on that. And that's one of the areas that I that I specialize in and teach in. I teach a co-teach actually a year-long sequence with uh, two different theologians, uh, courses focused on integration. How do we bring these two disciplines together? What does that look like? You know, things like that. Uh, I also teach a uh, therapy course that focuses on a relational psychodynamic form of therapy. Uh, and I also practice and uh, do therapy uh, out of the Bio Counseling Center, yeah. psychodynamic therapy. And I teach a class on positive psychology and uh, also some research courses uh, helping students with their with their research. Oh, wonderful, Todd. Uh, thank you for that. And as you mentioned, as we were getting acquainted with one another at the beginning, your wife also teaches. Right. My wife, uh, Dr. Liz Hall, also teaches in the same department at Rosemead. Uh, so it's great that uh, we're just we feel very blessed to have been able to both both work in the same department in a great department and so see she teaches in the undergrad program uh, but also does a lot of research uh, in the area of um, right now she's doing a lot of work in the area of meaning making and suffering and um, some really really interesting work in that area wow yeah. Maybe she'll, maybe she'll be the next guest on Hope. Yes, you should have her on. She's, <laughs> yes, definitely. That yeah. sounds great. Have yeah. you ever had the chance to teach together? Yeah, we have. We taught co-taught one grad class together a few years back, um, but I, th I think that was the only time. Yeah, other than that, we she's kind of taught undergrad, and I've taught in the grad program. Cool. Yeah, and you mentioned Thanks. Evan, just family. Yes, we also have two sons uh, who are 
Um, our oldest is just out of college working as an engineer and our young that's Brennan our youngest Aiden is has one more year at uh, USC also studying engineering so both in the area and we're enjoying that awesome thank you Todd it's great to great to get to know you a bit and to hear about uh, where you are and what you're doing so I want to thank the wonderful folks at InterVarsity Press uh, connected me with with you and with your new book the connected life the art and science of relational spirituality so before we dive into some of the concepts and themes of this book todd maybe you could share what prompted you uh, to write this book yeah definitely so the the impetus for the book really goes back to my story of disconnection which i talk a little bit about in the book which i think mirrors the larger societal sense of disconnection that, that a lot of Christians are feeling today. We were talking about that, you know, before we hopped on here just a little while ago. And so the, the short version of the story is that as far back as I can remember, my mom struggled with pretty significant mental health issues. And my parents split up when I was pretty young, uh, just after the fourth grade. And so all this contributed to an overall sense of disconnection from family and friends and within myself. And then if you fast forward to college, I'd become a Christian and was in, in college at a Christian university, and there was a significant period of time when I felt very distant from God, and I experienced a split between what I knew about God in my head and how I experienced God in my relationship with God. And I later realized that this pain and disconnection I felt in my relationship with God was all linked back to my these formative childhood experiences that I mentioned. So I think my story, like I said, is a reflection of our collective story of relational and spiritual disconnection that I'm trying to address in the book and, you know, really a search for meaning in this uh, very lonely world right now, especially uh, yeah. post COVID. And I'm, you know, we were talking about this earlier. I'm seeing this all over the place in my circles with my students and clients. Um, also working with companies on employee well-being, just a lot of mental health issues showing up there as well. So you know, in a nutshell, my entire life really has been a journey from disconnection to learning how to connect deeply with God and others. And that's still an ongoing journey and then helping others in this journey as a therapist. And so this book is really my attempt to share what I've learned so far on this journey and help others cultivate a deep sense of connection with God and others. Todd, how would you define connection and why is it important, especially for Christians? Yeah, so connection. Healthy connection or secure connection is based on what psychologists refer to as secure attachment. And so there's a whole theory called attachment theory that I talk a little bit about in the book and, and try to sort of just translate. And so the way I would define connection or healthy connection, again, is that it's the ability to relate to others based on an internal sense of security in a way that is characterized by being emotionally present, responsive, close, and loving all within the context of that particular type of relationship, right? So the type of relationship impacts how we show up and love others, right? We, it doesn't look the same for a spouse versus kids versus students versus parishioners for you, right? It looks different. So we have to take that into account. And I talk about that in the book. But so attachment is a, an invisible bond with caregivers that starts, you know, at, at birth, and so these caregivers are people we depend on. So parents typically, right? We depend on them for safety and for emotional security and companionship. And this bond usually develops by 12 months of age. 
and and it gets internalized in a gut level form of of memory and the three critical things that attachment figures provide for children are comfort which is called a haven of safety challenge which is called a secure base and companionship so three c's you can remember comfort challenge and companionship uh, and so when those are provided well right and and parents are empathic and responsive and they read emotional signals accurately and they respond accordingly then attachment figures provide children a sense of felt security and this develops what we call a, you know a secure attachment mm -hmm. and so that leads to all kinds of uh, positive developments in different areas of life and when that doesn't happen and parents are emotionally unavailable or neglectful or highly anxious or or certainly abusive then the child has to cope with that and try to maintain some sort of pseudo connection and typically the way that happens is they either become highly anxious and and clingy or they emotionally disengage and so those are two types of insecure attachment that we can unpack later but the, all those experiences Evan get internalized and then they form sort of a blueprint in our mind about how important relationships work and they impact how we show up in relationships with important people in our life, as well as with God. Yes. So I, I, I'd love to go there for a few moments. You had mentioned um, as you, when you became a Christian and you were, I think you said you were, when you were an undergrad in college, is what you write right. in the book, finding this real disconnect between, um, between your faith, how you were engaging your own spirituality, how you were relating to God and, and kind of seeing that perhaps as a function of a lack of connection in your formative childhood years and um what so how does that how does that function in our relationship with god so if someone has has had um all those components from their caregiver that they need to form healthy attachments and to you know develop a sense of connection or if they haven't had that what are some of the ways that can play out in one's own faith journey in their relationship with god right right we we tend to experience God through the lens of our early human attachment relationships. So it's this, again, this blueprint or template that operates outside of conscious awareness. That's, that's why it's so important to understand that um, because it's, <clears throat> it operates outside of conscious awareness and it's not just what we know in our head. So you mentioned that split that I experienced and a lot of people experience that we can know a lot of things about God in our head. And so I refer to that as an explicit knowledge in the book. And that's important in a lot of ways. So I'm not discounting that or saying that's not important. It helps us to understand the contours of how God wants us to live, right? What human flourishing looks like, right? Mm -hmm. But it requires more than that to actually grow spiritually and to, and to develop a close relationship with God. And these early attachment relationships shape that. And so if we, again, experience a lot of distance early on or abuse or neglect or parents are anxious those kinds of things we develop an insecure attachment and then that influences and shapes how we tend to experience god and that's something you know part of what got me into it was my own story as i mentioned but then also working with clients and seeing that this was true for all of my clients you know when they had these painful experiences growing up with parents they would have these same kind of experiences with god fearing abandonment for example feeling like they just can't trust god or go to god and so that yeah that really impacts our our spirituality and um we'll probably get into you know how does that change but 
that's something we have to pay attention to in ministry. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, so, yeah, and that was going to be my follow-up question is, um, and you, you know, you talked about this is somewhat in the book. I love um, particularly the, the I, lo- I love everything that I've read in the book, but particularly when you get into some of the practices for developing growth, uh, mm-hmm. you have the chapter cultivating deep growth, and you talk about some spiritual practices. I think that can probably uh, mend for those folks who didn't have connection with their earthly parents or that was disrupted or compromised in some way, just some practices to engage in so that one's faith, one's spirituality can be strengthened and deepened and, and, and greater sense of connection can be fostered there. So you offer some of that in the book, but let's, let's talk about that here. What are some, what are some ways to, uh, to, co- to connect, to mend the disconnection? Right. Yeah. So one of the ways that I describe this in the, in the book, Evan, is the, the way we grow is that we are loved into loving. So it happens through relationships. That's the overall theme of the book, right? Is again, that we don't, we don't grow and change solely through knowing things about God, learning doctrine, right? Those things are important, but it requires more than that. This knowledge about God has to sink down into our hearts, right? We have to experience love from others as well as God directly. So we have to have new relational experiences and that's what transforms us at a deep level. So that's why you talk about deep growth, right? Not not just sort of knowing things in, in your head only, but new experiences that reshape and transform the way you feel about yourself at a very deep level, your sense of self. So that has to come through new relational experiences and so that, yeah, that informs, you know, how we think about growth and the kinds of the kinds of interventions, the kinds of things we need to be doing. And so the first thing is we need relational safety, you know, in these new experiences. So you've got to find people who are safe uh, to create the and create the conditions for that. To, um, you've got to open yourself up. Right. There's things we have to do as well uh, to new experiences. Right. Uh, right. So that's oftentimes when we've been hurt, we understand that we, we protect ourselves in certain ways and that prevents us or hinders us from taking in these new loving experiences. So that's another thing is we have to recognize and pay attention to how we protect ourselves mm. and start to take some mini steps to counter that cycle, right? Because it is a, it's a cycle, right? If I, I fear being judged, we were talking about that earlier, right? Just, Social anxiety is all over the place with the younger generation. Understandably, it's tragic. And so there's a fear of opening up because there's a fear that they're going to be judged, right? So it doesn't mean you just go share, you know, willy-nilly with everyone, right? But you you have to foster and develop, find close people, foster that relationship a little bit and take some new mini steps to be a little bit vulnerable and hopefully start to get some, you know, a different response and some new new experiences. Um, And you know, one of the things I talk about in the book is just experiencing God through scripture and, you know, in small groups and things like that, but in scripture, right? Again, it's not just about learning the doctrine. That's part of it, but we've got to slow down when we read scripture to experience God and experience the relationship. I talk about, you know, contemplative prayer as a way to do that as well. So they're, so spiritual disciplines are really important, but they're just a means to the end of intimacy with God. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love I love the bit about you know, you know reflecting on scripture. I 
I teach in the humanities department of a local university. I teach literature of the Bible. And we spent the first three weeks just on Genesis. And I think if there's one thing, Todd, that you could say is a common thread among, you know, the patriarchs and their families, um, uh, you know, going back to Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Noah and, and his children, is there is a real sense of ruptured relationship, this disconnection, this dysfunction all the way through there. Uh, and, and one of the things that I kind of lift up to the students is these these familial dynamics. You know, this is another culture, another part of the world thousands of years ago. It's not that dissimilar to ours. Right. right. Um, within those things. Yeah. And I think it can be helpful, Todd, to go to those stories with people and perhaps help them see their stories reflected in the pages of the Bible and I think there's a bit of permission giving mm-hmm. to struggle to struggle with a lack of connection and to strive toward greater connection with, it, with human relationships and with God, um, because I, I see that in the you know I see that with um, you know with Abraham and Sarah and Isaac and and Ishmael right. and then Jacob and Esau right I mean they're talk about dysfunctional relationships, lack of, lack of, uh, connection, neglect, abuse, it's all there. Right. Right. And I think that can give some people, uh, who are perhaps wired a particular way spiritually to give themselves permission and some grace to struggle with their own lives, their own relationships, their own lack of connection. Um, and then, um, and then, you know, work on it, get the right, tools to right. work on it. Yeah. That's such a great point, Evan. We see, yeah, all of that throughout scripture, this dysfunctional relationships, and we could describe this as insecure attachment. And so psychology gives us a lens to understand some of that. And it's definitely there and it's intergenerational, right? It's passed yes. down from generation to generation. That's something we see in scripture. We also know from research and attachment theory, it does get passed down unless transformation happens. If if there's no transformation we we transmit and we pass on our insecure attachment through the way we relate and the way we communicate at an emotional level. But there's got to be transformation. But there is hope, right, from a Christian perspective that, you know, yeah. we see God's grace all throughout Scripture working with people in our fallen state and all these dysfunctional relationships helping us to to heal and grow and change and, yeah. and transform, definitely. Yeah. And, and I think that might be a way we understand these biblical terms like generational sin or curses is really these patterns that get transmitted from generation to generation uh, until somehow that cycle is broken. Right. Right. Exactly. Well, we're going to take a break uh, on this episode of hope for the Agora. I'll be right back with my guest, Dr. Todd Hall. Thank you for listening to hope for the Agora with our host, Dr. Evan Dodge. We hope that you're finding it informative and encouraging. Well, October is Pastors Appreciation Month, and we at Agora are committed to supporting and encouraging our pastors, and we want to hear from you, our listeners. Email your comments or your shout-outs about this month's podcast or Agora Network Ministries, or better still, share with us something you appreciate about your pastor. Or if you're a pastor, share with us what you are encouraged by in ministry. We may just share your comments on an upcoming podcast. And if you write in, we will send you a free book by Jack Fleetstra called Freeing Your Pastor to Serve with Joy. It's a practical down-to-earth presentation that will instruct 
and encourage both new and seasoned pastors and church congregations. And Jack really loves the church and his pastoral calling. And from an in-the-trenches perspective, he develops the metaphor of pastor as homemaker and caregiver. It's a metaphor that rings in harmony with the call of a pastor to shepherd the flock of God. So says Dr. David Barker, Vice President of Heritage Baptist Seminary. If this interests you, be sure to write us. And also go to our Agora bookstore at agoranetworkministries.com and you will find other resource books there for your mental health as well. So be sure to email at info at agoranetworkministries.com and uh, we'd love to read your stories and hear from you. And now, back to our podcast with Dr. Evan Dodge. I'm back with my guest, Dr. Todd Hall. We're discussing connection, what that means, relational spirituality, and our conversation is centered on Todd's new book, The Connected Life, The Art and Science of Relational Spirituality. Uh, Todd, I, there's, a, there's a, a section of the book that really jumped out to me to get me thinking about my own spiritual life and the church that I uh, am privileged to pastor and, and how we understand our identity as the body of Christ as it relates in particular to this issue of uh, fostering deeper connection and relationships uh, with those around us. I want to uh, read a couple of lines from your chapter, Deep Love, um, and uh, as, as a way to have a little conversation about how God's love and all that that means and God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how that can inform our ministry of, of connection. Right. This is this is a section from that chapter. Jesus invites us to abide in his love, which is a sharing or participation in the love between the Father and Son. Divine love, then, is the source of our love. We pass on the very love of God that lives within us. It is a power or person within us that elevates our natural love to a heavenly love. And all through this chapter, you really use the Trinity as a model for what love is, how we can love, why that's important, and how that love can transform connectedness. So, Todd, how do you understand this doctrine of the Trinity and the love of God as informing our own our own lives, our own relationships, and how to how to have better and deeper, more meaningful connections with those around us and with God? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question, Evan. And so, yeah, so what I talk about in the in the book is is really the Trinity and the love among the Trinity as the model for our love. And I talk about how, you know, there's some commonalities between the love between believers that we have and people who are who are not Christians. But there's also some differences, right? That um, and so part of those show up in in a number of different ways. And so I talk about how, um, you know, it's really a, it's a participation in the love. And so the love among the Trinity, and I think it's important. It's really helpful to me to remember that, you know, this perfect love among the Trinity, it's perfect mutuality, has existed for all eternity, right? Um, and it's, so it's a it's first of all it's a it's the reason motivation to love others. And so that's one way our love is is different. Um, because of what God has done for us through Jesus, right? That provides a reason and a motivation for us to love, even when it's difficult and hard. And so it's not just always for what we get out of it, right? Um, 
So that's, you know, that's one of the, one of the differences there. And then the second is that the love of the Trinity is, is a model for us. Um, So we can see, you know, especially how Jesus loved us sacrificially, right? Love doesn't always require sacrifice, but we need to be ready and willing to sacrifice like Jesus did. And in some ways that really captures kind of the heart of God's love. And then, like you mentioned, you know, it's also the the source of our um, love and our, and our transformation that kind of goes beyond just, you know, sort of uh, everyday normal love. And of course, you know, the connection then, as you mentioned to how does this play out in the, in the church, right? So the, the body of Christ in the church is the place where our love for each other, we're told in scripture, right? Is what shows God to the world, right? And, and shows, yeah. uh, demonstrates yeah. God's love to the world. It's how they will know that we are believers by, you know, the, the unity <clears throat> that we have and, and, and the love. So, um, so that's a model again. And I think that, you know, that's where, that's the context ultimately for the transformation that happens, uh, for believers that it needs to happen in the church. Um, mm. and so, you know, so it comes down to, receiving and accessing experiencing god's forgiveness right and so that leads to gratitude and is a motivation for our love and then it helps us gain a deeper understanding and appreciation of jesus love for others as the model and then we need to cultivate an awareness of the holy spirit right who guides us um our our thoughts and our actions with the very love of the trinity you know i think that's a that's a really profound thing to think about again that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us and have access to the the very love of God, you know, among the Trinity. And so then that plays out in in the church. And there's a number of you know aspects uh to that that go back to some things we've already we've already talked about. Um so you know a lot of that is just recognizing again that transformation happens through new relational experiences with God and with the body of Christ, right? That God has chosen to use each other in the body of Christ to help us grow. And so we've got to create the conditions in our churches for psychological safety and growth. And there's some practical aspects to that. You know, one of one of those things would be small groups are super important, right? Had to have places in the church where where people can be vulnerable and feel safe enough to be vulnerable and share their story. That's one of the big things I talk about in the book is you know stories are so important sharing our story in a safe context with other people helps yeah. us to reconcile our pain. That's one way I put it <clears throat> and, and grow through it. So we've got to create the conditions for that in the church. And, you know, of course it starts with the leaders being their own growth process. We've got to see that modeled in, in the leaders and, and the way they relate to each other then creates the conditions for the relationships in the church. Uh, but then again, paying attention to, you know, small groups, for example, helping people to understand and recognize the importance of attachment, bringing a relational lens to scripture, like we talked about, to help people experience scripture and not just sort of throw doctrine at people and mm-hmm. expect them to get it up here and to change instantly. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. We need to understand it's, it's a relational process and it's it's messy. And that can be frustrating, you know. It is it is frustrating at times, but I think the more we understand that that there there is a process to it, the more we can create the conditions for that in our churches. Yeah, I I 
appreciate your putting doctrine in a particular place because my experience has been there can be a tendency in the evangelical world to kind of go for facts and and doctrine and you know right belief and and I'm not eschewing any of that that is important right but but, but right belief and right practice should be intertwined exactly um, right. and and you know right right practice should flow from right belief and back into right belief right. yeah and and so holding those two things together to me seems absolutely imperative for a church right exactly right right we need to it needs to come from the heart right <clears throat> yeah we need to have this experience of deep growth deep relationship with god that is intertwined with right belief and understanding of God and how he wants us to live. So it provides the parameters, right? The doctrine does for how God wants us to live, what health and maturity look like, right? The goal we're aiming toward with sanctification. Uh, but then all those beliefs need to sink into our heart in these relationships. And we need to have these new relational experiences to really to transform us at that level. Yeah. Yeah. And do you think, Todd, that might be the entry point for how a church can connect with people is is through those relationships. I mean, perhaps if you offer someone a treatise on the Trinity, um, you know, who who's a, a person who's really struggling with connecting with themselves and with God, that that may not be the place to start. Um, but 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 that might flow from avenues that are open where where deep love and loving connections and new relationships becomes sort of what one what a church might lead with. And then kind of opens up all the vistas of the Christian life to that individual. Right, right. Yeah, and I, I think, so I think sharing our stories is really important to create venues for that in small groups, but also even in the larger groups in our churches, just, you know, hearing, you know, testimonies. We do that a lot in our tradition, you know, sharing testimonies, that's stories, right? Hearing people's stories. Um, but I think that can always be linked to doctrine in the sense of, you know, this is this is why we're doing what we're doing, right? This is why we're trying to create, we have a shared purpose and a shared mission based on what we believe about God and what we should be doing and how we should live. And that leads us to relate to each other in a certain way and to try to create these kind of relationships and invite and welcome, you know, people who are, who are not believers in and, and loving them. So I think, yeah, I think it's a both end linking it to doctrine, but, sharing our stories and creating psychological safety uh yeah for that process to grow well todd it has been a real pleasure to talk to you today to interview you about your book to hear about you to learn about you and to garner some best practices for how christians and church leaders and indeed all of the church can better foster connections between each other and with God. Todd, if any of our listeners are interested in checking you out on social media or visiting your website, uh, we're going to include that in the show notes uh, for this episode. But tell us tell us how they can connect with you and where they might purchase your books. Yeah, great. Yeah, first of all, I just want to say thank you, Evan. It's been great talking with you as well. Really enjoyed the conversation and, and just appreciate your ministry. And yeah. so, yeah, people could find me uh, more about the book at connectedlifebook.com. So that's a microsite that just has more information about the Connected Life, um, as well as an academic book on the same topic that goes in more depth. If 
uh, readers, listeners are interested in that. That book is called Relational Spirituality. There's also information about that on on that site, connectedlifebook.com. My main website is drtodhall.com. So that has more information about other things I'm involved in if they want to check that out. But uh, yeah, connectedlifebook.com will have all the info they need to check out the book and, and be able to purchase it. Great. Well, Todd, on behalf of Agora Network Ministries, I want to thank you again for being a guest today. I know that our listeners are going to benefit greatly from this conversation, from the resources that you offer. So thank you again. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you found it helpful and informative. We are always open to your comments and suggestions. You can contact us at info at agoranetworkministries.com. You can also go to our website for resources, information, and upcoming events. Just head over to agoranetworkministries.com. If you would like to support the work of Agora Network Ministries, including this podcast, you can find a link on our site. We appreciate your support. We pray that your week is blessed. Bye for now.